I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, this is Christian Sonata Walker and I'm so excited. Uh, The man behind our PR is Ryan McCormick. He also hosts the show The Outer Limits of Inner Truth and he is the host of Mental Health Perspectives with Dr. John Huber, which is one of the shows we do every week. He does a ton of things and he just gave me carte blanche to ask him anything. Ryan, thank you for coming on the show. (laughs) Well, Kristen, thank you so much for having me. It's a great honor. Thank you for addressing me as a man, because usually when people address me, they say man child. So thank you for holding the the child aspect silent. (laughs) That's so funny. All men, well, not all men, many men think that. I had one tell me all the time, um, you know, we're all just five-year-old boys and he constantly behaved like that. And I said, you know that you're creating reality every time you can reinforce that statement. So maybe you should stop saying it. <laughs> oh, it is. My, my wife comes up to me that she, she, she goes, I have two problems with you. I'm like, what? She goes, you left the Transformers collection out. I'm like, what's the second problem? She goes, you have a Transformers collection. You're 40 <laughs> years old. <laughs> hey. My son called me, he's 29, and he said, we get into this very deep conversation, existential conversation, and I drop everything for those because usually it's a few grunts and I, I love you and that's all I get. But um, he he says at the end of it, mom, and I mean, we just went to, out to the outer banks of the universe. And he says, mom, um, did you watch the new Marvel movie trailer yet? And he just kept coming back to that. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. well, Some that, people are really passionate about that. Some people are very, very passionate about entertainment. Yes. Well, he's passionate about anything to do with um, superhero movies. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so tell our listeners about your show, The Outer Limits of Inner Truth. Now, I've been on it, and I did the grief show with you, yep. and you and I have had some interesting conversations, and you know I'll go anywhere, too. Yep. But yep. what was the, you know, what is this show about? The show is about introspection. It is about evolution. It is about finding the tools you need to liberate yourself to 
help yourself to find, to reach your peak freedom, peak personal freedom. And I would say the show has got a real rebellious nature about it because we will take on all different aspects about metaphysics, spirituality, as well as social and contemporary issues. I would call it the, it's the world's only show about forensic soul analysis. Many times in the program, we'll, we'll interview someone and they'll be analyzed by two or three psychic mediums and an astrologer. And we'll compare notes about that. So that, that's some of the programs we do. Sometimes we've done programs about weight loss where we interviewed 16 different experts on that. And we had the mental health aspects, nutrition, and we also had metaphysical teachers talking about it. So when we focus on topic at hand, we tend to explore it very deeply. So mm -hmm. I would say that on the program, it's about introspection. There are no sacred cows. It is about being on a journey to the deepest part of yourself discovering who you are and utilizing all that tool, all those tools and information to liberate yourself. Mm, Peace, personal freedom. Yeah. Cause I'm looking at, you know, some of the titles and they're, they, I mean, you've got global consciousness transformation way of the tarot with Robert Bonomo. Is that how you say it? Or Bonomo? Yep. Okay. Um, the global economic collapse part two proof of heaven, a neurosurgeon's journey into the afterlife. I mean, it go, you know, there's so many different topics. It looks a lot like my show. <laughs> One week I, it's I Munchausen guess, syndrome. The next week it's about well, neuroscience. They're all different things, but a lot of shows that we consider quote unquote new age, they just, they, they have this belief that everything's fun, wonderful, and that we're going to have this big transition. And we don't believe that at all. We, we take on all the topics. I mean, we have an entire show. You saw it, the coming global economic collapse. That is one of the themes that has been in our show where we feel that this the largest event in human history is going to happen. And we've been warning people about it for a long time. So some shows, I think they just they, they want to see all the, the fun aspects about, uh, you know, spirituality and metaphysics. But we're not afraid to go there and we're not afraid to figure out what the truth is. So I would say that well, we're willing to go any, anywhere the truth lies. Yeah. And how do you like what got you into wanting to talk about these things? Because a lot of people are absolutely in fear of these topics or they completely think they're ridiculous. <laughs> well, I'd say that throughout the course of my life, I've had a, I've always had an ongoing awakening. I was one of those individuals who grew up with organized religion and I you know, grew up in these towns, communities. And I just I the personal freedom was always something that was kind of building underneath. And when I made the transition, I left organized religion. It was like an explosion of curiosity. It was an, this, this passionate drive to seek answers. And as I was processing my own shadow, facing my own things within my, my, my darkness, there it became, I became very emboldened to seek answers and truths about our reality, no matter how dark they were, no matter how deep the cavern was. And I knew that, you know, if I, between that and the curiosity, it, that the show began primarily when I was working with my metaphysical teacher, one of my greatest teachers, Stuart Wilde. This gentleman was a world-renowned metaphysical teacher, wrote at least 20 books, and he was considered very cutting edge. He had Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra as two of his students, and I respected mm -hmm. this gentleman. I would listen to his audio CDs, and one day been I was reaching out to him to tell him thank you. Long story short, I meet him in Las Vegas. We click on an energetic level, and I become his publicist. And here, here's this person who I love, respect, and admire. We're having conversations, and he's and not only that, he's becoming a good friend. And he was very on the cutting edge as far as his teaching go. He never believed that he was above anyone else. He had this really strong sense of humor, and he had this impassioned curiosity. And I think that he rubbed off on me in a very big way. So 
between my journey coming along, growing up, and meeting this gentleman, these were all parts of what has become the core foundations of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth. Mm, okay. Well, you have obviously the perfect voice for radio because even just to how you said that was so spot Thank on. <laughs> how did you get into the, um, you know, the publicist field? Well, the publicist field is quite a, I call it an interesting story because I was in school, Florida State University many years ago, and I wanted to make a film and show it on campus. I was just totally determined I was going to make this film. I was going to get it seen on campus and I was going to let all these people watch it. And in the course of making the film, I got local TV, radio, radio newspaper coverage. I was getting more coverage on my student film than the entire film department was on their films. So the night of the premiere, I'm in the theater and we had a lot of people there. My friend's like, you know what? You are the worst filmmaker I have ever seen in my entire life. This is probably, this film is going to be used by cults one day to torture people because it is so bad. And, you know, I'm taking it very well. He's like, however, he's like, you are very good at, at, you know, getting people out to this thing. And I realized, like, you know what? I had more fun publicizing this show, this movie, than I did even making it. So that, that the light went off, and I would say the, um, you know, going into PR is where it happened. I worked for CBS for a while. Then I wound up doing a little brief uh, work in Howard Stern, and I went right into PR. Mm-hmm. So that, that's how everything kind of came about. So what is it about it that you like? Because to me, it goes along with you are very uh, positive and you want to help people and you, you know, you want to get them out there. They have a great message. You want to help them get that message out there. So to me, it seems like a natural fit. But is that part of it for you, too? Or are there other things? Yes, it's a huge part about it. It's it is a lot of fun. And there's something so wonderful about finding an individual or a person or a cause that you really believe in and knowing that you can position them in a way that will maximize their capability of getting their message out, knowing that if their message gets out, it has such a positive uh, response and it can really help them. So I think that the, uh, it's, the, it's the challenge. It's, we do a lot, we've taken on a lot of cases that have been very challenging. We actually work with a gentleman who was about to go to – who was actually on course to go to prison for crime he did not commit. This is the third time he was on, going on trial – his name is wow. Nick Hillary. He hired us. He wanted to becoming acquitted. And the first thing he did is he came out and he thanked our PR firm because we mm-hmm. actually galvanized the entire media to come to this cause. So in PR, I see the power of the media. I see the power of a message being magnified and how helpful it can be. So when you see a lot of things in the world that you would consider injustice, which I see a lot of injustice in the world, there's almost an abundance of opportunities that, you know, we can go after that case. We can help these people. So I think you nailed it. There's a lot of things in the world that I would like to hopefully change or push uh, for the better. And you can, right. you can do that very effectively. You are. So how do you deal with or do you ever get to the place where, you know, you've worked with someone for a long time and you're like, I, where else can I put them? Uh, the well is run a bit dry. Where, where do I do next? Do you ever get to that space? Sometimes it'll happen, but it also means that there has to be more creative energy expedited. Yeah. So I'd say that it happens at a, it happens at a rare occasion, but then it just means that okay, well, this is wonderful. We have another opportunity to expand. We always have to look for ways to, to service our clients, and we consider the media as part of our client. So yeah, 
when working with an individual, it's like there's always something else that you, you can put your mouth for. There's always something else they can do. If they're not doing TV, radio, promoting an event, they could be promoting their own expertise in a number of different ways. So, I mean, I also think sometimes if you, if you just meditate or you relax and sometimes the, the inspiration will just come. I think that if you have a lot of inspiration, you have a lot of passionate for your, uh, passion for your clients, it's just the creativity naturally flows and that's what happens with our firm. Yeah, I've noticed that too. But from a, what's, maybe it's, this is a metaphysical perspective. I certainly grew up around that kind of perspective of things. And so it's very comfortable for me when you run your own ship and you're, you know, you're also having the human experience, which has its dark moments and its light moments and so on, but you're running your own ship. If you aren't taking care of yourself, um, finding things that motivate you, letting the well run dry, then your ship can actually, um, you know, hit a sandbar and you're the only one sailing it, you know, as the, as the, because it's your own company. And um, so I worry sometimes, and I wonder what you think about this, that, oh, if I'm having a bad week because I'm really dealing with something that I actually need to deal with, it's something that I really need to tackle. I wonder, oh, how is that going to affect my company and the people that believe in me? So what do you think about that? I would say that what you just stated is something that has happened 24 hours a day. It is an ongoing battle because every moment is another opportunity to succeed or fail. And one time, a couple weeks ago, my wife left. She was visiting her family in Slovakia. And during that period of time, it was very, it was so hard for me to concentrate. So I wasn't putting in the, the best. I wasn't able to give my best. However, at the end of the day, it's not so much about the conservative amount of time. I think that goes in the efforts. It's about how many wins can you can you get out. And I think that during that period of time, I just focus more time and energy on getting bigger wins or finding a creative way of going around the um, the downsides. I always feel that sometimes if you're depressed and you're upset, you can actually utilize that energy and focus on different activities which will require you to devote large periods of time to concentrating on um, activities. So when I was upset, I would do a lot of administrative work that hadn't been done. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like um, when working, no matter what mood that I'm in, I almost feel there's a momentous, momentum shift that I can be pushed in any direction of PR, depending on whatever mood that I'm in. But most of the time, I'd say my mood is very upbeat. I'm very happy and excited. If I'm down, I just put a lot of time and effort into administrative work. And I believe that if you respect your clients, if you have a lot of love and passion for your clients, no matter how you are feeling that particular day, the ongoing theme, the ongoing vibe that you will transmit to your clients is one of um, great compassion and great caring. And I think that that will always carry out the day. You'll figure out a way to be successful. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And figure it out while also maintaining your humanness and your empathy. Yes. And, Empathy and compassion, especially in the PR industry, especially with any kind of industry, I think it's absolutely crucial. I do think that people know when you genuinely care about them and when you look at them, you're just looking at them like a dollar sign. Right. So I believe that when you are showing that compassion and when you're, you're, when you're just as passionate about them succeeding as they are about you, it's a, it's a really great momentum as far as the energy goes. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. And you attract more and more of that as you accept more and more of it too, which is nice. So talk to me about, you know, the podcast piece, because, you know, when you're, you're not talking about widget making when you're doing your podcast, these are very deep subjects, things that you're very passionate about. (laughs) Yes, they are. They are things that we have covered on our show that I feel that I don't know if any other shows have touched upon them yet or gone to them very deeply. One thing we I love talking about in a program is the shadow processing. It mm-hmm. is the idea of going through your subconscious and looking at the hardest parts within you and bringing some measure of peace and knowing that you can free up that energy and utilize it as a, a positive way of you know, expressing yourself as an asset. We've covered things. One of the most fascinating shows that, Kristen, we've done was the interview we had with Dr. Stephen Greer. And Dr. Stephen Greer is not only a meditation expert, but he is one of the founding founders of the modern day disclosure movement, which talks about humans' relationships to extraterrestrials. And people are going to say, oh, okay, well, what are you talking about extraterrestrials? Well, apparently, we have had hundreds, if not thousands, of you know, positive sightings of these beings, that they're here, and that there are other, several other planets within our galaxy that already have life on them that are considered, I guess, level two or level three type planets where the planet species together all collectively work together and they help each other. And there's interplanetary relationships. But human beings apparently are so barbaric at this stage of evolution that we're actually apparently being contained within our galaxy, that we're not really able to get ourselves out farther into these other planets. I think that's really fascinating. So I like to find different topics, Kristen, that would be considered taboo, would be considered irrelevant and focus on those because I almost feel sometimes if a piece of information or a topic is kind of marginalized, maybe there's something there. If people are resisting a topic and they're calling it conspiracy, maybe they're doing it that way because they don't want you to look. And that's when I, we kind of get motivated and say, okay, well, if people are telling us not to look there, that's exactly where we should be looking. That's exactly where we should be exploring. Interesting. So, have you ever thought about, okay, well, I have to do PR and I have to have my toe dipped into all different kinds of worlds. And some of those worlds uh, might be uncomfortable with some of the things I discuss. So have you ever had any concern about a potential client or a client taking a look at what you talk about and thinking, oh my gosh, I don't want to work with him? No, I haven't. I haven't had any concern about it. Good for you. Because if they, if they, you know, because they, they look at it, and on our program, we show respect, respect for every single guest. We treat everyone respectfully, and we don't curse. There's not a lot of, there's no cursing on there, generally speaking, or you know, der- derogatory um, words on the show. I would say it's done very professionally and tactfully. And people, if a client comes on and says, you know, this is weird, I go, okay, it is what it is. But you know what? It's there's, there's nothing on there that is meant to harm or hurt another person. It is all about exploration and awareness. And I think most of the time when people look at the show and they see the graphics, they're just like, okay, well, they're doing their own thing. Right. I almost feel that if I was if I was doing a show about politics and I was putting out my political perspectives on a weekly basis, or I was inciting. Um, 
trying to become part of a movement that would seek to overthrow something, I would see people getting very upset or getting a little concerned or very concerned. Right. But this is a category of so many. This is this, the show platform is the idea that, you know, this is what happens if humanity is united. This is what you can do on your own. This is how you can explore yourself. So. Yeah, I mean, I've had that. And unfortunately, I don't have it anymore. But I did uh, the first couple of years of doing my show. I was like, Oh, God, what is my technology clients gonna? Well, no, no, no one got upset. They just, um, I was worried that some of the things that you know, we would talk about were um, not going to be welcome, or it was going to be too much or, you know, something like that. But I've never, I've never had anybody a client of mine, you know, have an issue with anything. So it was my issue. It wasn't anything to do with the show. But um, I don't know. It's it's interesting using your voice and speaking your mind and being confident about what you put out there and standing behind it amongst so much dissension <laughs> can be, uh, it's a very brave act. And in some ways, I look at what gets put out there sometimes it's protected because we're supposed to keep putting these messages out we're supposed to reach whoever we reach and so maybe you know we're ignored in some circles that wouldn't be too kind that would maybe hurt our feelings or something what do you think about that i agree and also when you are putting out messages that are challenging the social norms that are challenging people's long-held comfort zones, you're probably going to have a lot of resistance. You're going to have a lot of resistance from people. I would call them locked in cognitive dissonance. There are things that we've talked about on our program that I I see as clear as day, like the collapse and the regression and the major loss of our civil liberties. I cannot believe how – I mean, it's so clear, and yet a lot of people don't see that. They they refuse to look because it's pushing them out of their comfort zones. And – if you present that information to them and then you try to show that not only they're probably going to deny it, but then they're going to get mad at you for, for bringing it to their attention. So right. it's kind of like, I mean, if you put it out there, as uh, Dr. Ron Paul would say, people cannot unhear what you tell them. And I guess that's the one of the only things you could do. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. As far as being worried about what other people think, I almost feel, I thought about Elon Musk. And he did that interview with Joe Rogan. He was out there, you know, smoking, smoking weed, weed, and kind of joking around. And if you conduct yourself in a professional-like manner, and you're nice to other people, and you're just generally pleasant, I feel that you can put any number of perspectives out as long as you treat people respectfully, mm. and you don't look at them as beneath you. I mean, you people who do that. If you're out there and you have a different perspective, the best thing you can do, the best PR you can do for your cause 
is to be nice and respectful to others. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. I said that to I've said that to a lot of consultants that come in and want to, or even podcasters that have come on and said, I want to, you know, do what you're doing. What's your trick? And I said, there's no trick. Just be as empathetic and caring and a pleasure for your guest. I mean, to like that they had a pleasurable experience being interviewed on your show. That makes up for so many ills. You could be, you could no. not be the smartest person, but if you were an absolute pleasure to have a conversation with, that will take you way further than being a jerk. Yeah, it would take you way further. It's, it's at least in our experience. And Kristen, I wanted to tell you an insight from doing the radio show that I've gotten. It seems to be a recurring theme, mm. and that is from people who've had near-death experiences. And the people I've talked about here had near-death experiences. Apparently, our nature, our natural state, human beings' natural state, is that of unconditional love. Apparently, we, our origin of consciousness, consciousness is unconditional love, uh, loving all things. And apparently, when we come to the human form, we forget. We have this veil of amnesia because that's part of our evolution. That is part of our human experiences to forget where we come from so we can have this illusion of separation. So when you are acting compassionate, when you are acting loving, it, apparently it, it is what is part of our natural state of being. The idea of hating, the idea of being cold, apparently takes a lot of effort and energy. and It is a learned behavior, but it is not our natural state of being. So, you know, people say, well, it's hard to become compassionate. No, it's actually pretty easy. Yeah. Just, you know, be just watch yourself. Watch children. Children are very nice. I mean, they're very honest. Which is why after I eat a couple, um, you know, heroes, I, like to, I don't like to visit kids that have them, you know, tell me, hey, you know, you, you look like you put on some few, few, few pounds. But <laughs> the children, they're very loving. And they also have a great sense of humor, too. Yeah, they do. My son cracked us up constantly uh, with just the to the point, cut through any baloney uh, kid wisdom, you know. <laughs> should run for political office. <laughs> Great. Oh, hey, exactly yeah. how it is. <laughs> yeah, with a lot of people attacking you. Um, I don't. I would not want that as my career. That's that's for sure. So when you're working with someone and you, and it is someone that you know has this very staunch political belief or, you know, whatever it is they believe, and it's and they are not willing to look at anything else whatsoever. Like I'll use an example. Let's say this is someone who absolutely thinks. Hitler did a great job and there you can't convince them otherwise, no matter what you say, uh, they just believe this. How do you handle someone like that? Well, if they were somebody in business, I wouldn't be working. I, I cannot work with somebody who has uh, certain belief patterns. So right. we, we wouldn't be taking on a client who had that belief. We wouldn't, we, we wouldn't be working with somebody who had a belief that, um, you know, Killing millions of people is, is justified. If it's an if it's a person outside, I realize that I have to honor everyone's perspective and just accept that that's who they are and just wish peace upon them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I some people I think sometimes they, if somebody has a different perspective, there's always that need that you want to help them, you want to change them, you want to pull them in. And I don't know. I it, I think it's kind of like it's pointless because. People are going to come to their own conclusions. They're, they're either going to come to a different conclusion through pain or through pleasure. They're either going to discover that being more compassionate to people or having a different perspective makes them feel good inside, 
or they're going to post something online. They're going to be shamed so bad, lose their entire livelihood that they're going to be forced by fear to change their perspectives. So it, it, we live in a very interesting world. We are we have millions upon actually billions of different perspectives of how the world works because I don't count just human beings as the only sentient beings on the planet. I'm very passionate about animals. Right. Very passionate about all living beings and accept them as as a general part of of, of our collective being, our collective experience. So I don't know. I always feel like do whatever you can. Be compassionate to whatever you can. Be compassionate, respectful to all people, and hopefully they'll follow your lead. Right. Right. Exactly. So you do your shows. I've noticed much like I do, where you just you have a ton of different guests, and you just put the information out there. And I feel like your brain kind of works similarly to mine, where we're just like in a lot of different places. Um, how do you download all of the information that you glean from all of these people that you have these very deep interviews with? All right, well, of course, I want to say that we had a conversation it was about a month ago or two months ago talking about metaphysics, and it was awesome because I realized I couldn't believe how many things we had in common. So I was <laughs> amazed at the way you're thinking. I'm like, well, this is one of the few people I know that actually thinks this way. So it was awesome. I, I, didn't, feel, I didn't feel alone. I was like, oh, thank goodness. Someone else thinks I did. Yes. I don't share that stuff with many people. No, it was pretty awesome. Like, wow, this is great. Cool. Take it. No, look, look at this. Are you telling me there's someone else who doesn't want people, who doesn't want the planet to be blown up? Like, this is nice. <laughs> He's loving person. Right, as far as the, um, the interviews and the show go, I really do not do pre-preparation for the questions. When I, I talk to someone, it just starts. It, something happens where my brain clicks over and it, it is a waking meditation yes. and I read a lot. I read whatever I can and I almost feel that in the process of reading that a lot of knowledge and information goes into my subconscious and when I do an interview, it comes out and things that I've read maybe months ago kind of come into play and then they, which, between the books I'm reading and the curiosity which becomes more voracious during the course of an interview yeah. The questions will just flow. But Very it's an unstatable curiosity. Yes, exactly. And I love, too, that um, sometimes the show will start out slow. And I always tell listeners, please listen past the first 20 minutes. Because I promise you, that's when we don't have that happen as much anymore. Like, I can get there rapidly. That I hope, listeners, you agree with me. But uh, it seems like we can get to a connection space much more quickly than I did in the past. But, you know, for a long time, it was like, it's going to take 20 minutes to get there. But then when we do, it's like the rest of the time. Close. Awesome. Yeah. I don't do a lot of preparation either. I don't like to... And I've given myself a lot of grief about that, Ryan. I have said, oh, man, you know, you should look at I'm trying to think of interviewers and it's completely escaped me, but you know, great interviewers over time, you know, they've got all these notes and probably other people put it together for them, but they've read sections of this book and whatever. And I will read someone's book or whatever after I interview them the first time, because I feel like part of my curiosity is I want to know who they are and what they say without having the whatever I've read in a book about them first. I want the first conversation to be fresh, not all the time, but a lot of the time. And then I'll go read it later. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes total sense. And also we don't, we don't have the preparation, but you, I mean, if you, if you're very excited to have the person on, 
and you respect them. I almost feel like you're going to deliver a great interview because you yeah. already have the, the main part about you. Is that if you already have that interest, it's going to happen. And I'm sure you're probably asking questions that person hasn't heard before because it's fresh. Yeah, that's true. And your excitement about it. I get very excited about interviewing certain people. And then I realize, wow, I really went deep on that show and I need to like go process or something because I just <laughs> opened up a can of worms in my psyche that is now a hole for all kinds of other stuff. And I need to like close it up before I walk outside. <laughs> oh, it's exciting. We do a great interview. There was one person on our show that I, I pursued for 27 years. That's another thing about our show is that we, we are the persistency is there. It was Judith Regan, 27 years. I wanted to interview her when I was 11 years old. I said, I want to interview you. And I don't know where I was going to do it, but I knew it was going to happen. And I, I worked for a number of years. And I think that for the last five or six years, I kept on asking and then it finally happened. And I don't know if she did in any other interviews, but I was so thrilled and excited that she came on the show. And then a gentleman I had on recently, Chris Hedges, was somebody who I was pursuing for at least three or four years. And then Dr. Ron Paul was somebody that was pursuing for close to 10 years. And like Stuart Wilde, something amazing happened. I met him, got along. I got along with his executive director and I do PR for him. And so one of the coolest things about the radio show and PR is that they're, they kind of both go hand in hand. Yeah. I get a chance to interview people that I have so much love and admiration and respect for. In some cases, I get to to manage their media relations. So yeah, I, it, that's I, to do both. Yeah, I want people to realize that are listening, and if you're thinking about doing podcasting, you know, the people that come to me and they're like, "Oh, I want to be the next big star," and you know, I want to be Howard Stern. I'm like, well. <laughs> We're a mental health network, so <laughs> I don't know that we can help you there. And yep. we're really more about advocacy, so you got to have that in front of your wanting to be a big star. Um, but uh, the people that you know that really get into this and they really want to do it, I tell them, listen, it's not. It maybe it isn't the thing that pays all your bills, but you know how many doors are going to open for you just by you doing this. Do you know what a machine it becomes? For you, uh, it's it's not. It used to be your business card was how you you know explained yourself. Then it became your website, and now and then it's writing a book. And now I feel like you also need to have a podcast where people get to know you and who you are and who you are over time and what your interests are. And that's the new wonderful way of marketing yourself out there and, and bumping up into great opportunity. Right. And when you have that drive and you are curious whether you are doing a show, whether you are writing a blog or whether you are expressing that curiosity or creativity, I think the doors will be bound to open. It all depends on how far you're going to take it. I think some people, they're curious and then they'll stop. But I would say continue to let your curiosity get ahead of you. Let that curiosity get ahead of you because so many other doors could open up. There's a gentleman whose book that I've read, and I'm going to get this gentleman because I'm really focused really hard on him. I, hopefully I, I can get him. His name is Brian Grazer. He's a famous film producer. Yeah, I know. And he, he wrote a book yeah, called Curiosity. And he, he got his whole, he got into his career one night by listening to a conversation somebody was having outside of his window about films, sparked his curiosity, and that's where he went. And then he'd sit down and he would talk to 30 or 40 incredibly respected uh, people. And that's how his whole career was started. It was by, by curiosity. So 
the canal to Christian. If you're curious and you, you do this, so many other wonderful doors could open up to you. And maybe you're not going to be a podcast uh, superstar, but maybe you'll go into a different career or you'll find something right. that you're always looking for. I know. I think about that. I think, why do I, why do I do this? Why do I like it so much? We are getting into the, you know, webcast space, which I'm, I was really uncomfortable about. Now I'm like, whatever, I don't, that's fine. I'll be on camera. That That's fine. Cause it's just another place for people to find your, what you're talking about. So if that's required, then, you know, that's fine. But I always think, well, I love interviewing people and that's because of that natural curiosity, the same thing, you know, obviously that you have. And it actually, for me, it's like um, doing a play and an actor that, you know, does plays because you are doing the same thing over and over again. You're, you actually develop a technique. There is a technique and an art to being a good host. And I don't think yes. people realize that there is a whole machine that goes into what it is to be a good host and that you you can do a podcast and not really care about being a good host. That's totally fine. And you may have a great podcast because of what you talk about. But the art of wanting to host and ask people questions, to me, it's a little bit of a lost art. And I actually love it. Awesome. Well, you do a great job. I mean, you make people very comfortable. I got on this I got on this show, Christina. I was like, oh my goodness. Well, I, I'm not going to be asked a lot of questions, so I was getting ready, sweating at first. Now I'm completely relaxed. <laughs> I'm like purring like a cat. Meow. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> so relaxed. You're like, that when is it going to end? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fun, though. It, that's a great, that you know, the things we talk about, energy and consciousness. I mean, how many seeds of goodwill are you planting every time you do an interview and you help someone feel comfortable in their humanness, even if it's for 40 minutes? I don't know how many seeds I'm planting. I don't know. Maybe people listen to the radio show because they're like, oh, you know what? I'm out of NyQuil. I'm out of um, sleeping pills. I'll just put on the outer limits and two minutes. Who knows what they're listening to it for? I mean, hopefully it's hopefully it's having a positive impact on people. My um, my teacher when I was at Stewart, he I listened to his his teachings, and half the time I would be laughing. I would be laughing so hard. I never laughed as hard as I did when I would listen to his teachings. And that's one thing I always wanted to do. I Why? said if I ever do a radio show, humor has to be a part of it. You cannot get so stiff. He used to always say seriousness is a disease of the ego, and I kind of use that as my battle cry throughout life, my war cry throughout mm-hmm. life. Like, I'm not going to be serious. Keep it fun. And it's one thing is that if you're hosting a show, you're hosting your own show. If you update your vocabulary, if you read more, your speaking is going to improve. There's so many different people out there that want to interview. But if you have your own distinctive voice, your own distinctive style, and you're asking questions that people have never been asked before, I think you're going to stand out. Yeah, I think that's why I don't do the reading ahead of time, too, because I feel like I can be I'm much better flying by the seat of my pants than I am overly prepared. And I'm totally cool with people that need to read 12 books before they, you know, do something because that's their way of doing it. I just like the adrenaline rush of. Well, it's your focus, too. You makes you concentrate a lot more. I mean, if you haven't read the person's book, it's like, oh, geez, do it. Well, think about, too, like how much of our lives do we spend in a awakened sleep state? (laughs) 
we're we're walking around, we're just a robot-like in our daily tasks, and we're not really in that zone that people talk about. Um, and this is something where, you know, I think you and I can be in the zone and not thinking about anything else. You're not multitasking. You're not checking on anything. You're just focused on this. And as human beings, the number of hours in a day where you have those moments are really few and far between for a lot of people. Great. And a lot of people, I think they're, they're, they're stuck in that crisis of now where whatever the big distraction is on the news, people get upset about and they focus and they I think they give away too much of their power onto it. Yes. If you, if you unplug and then you actually do face-to-face interactions, I'm just going to say that because everyone spends all the time on their phone, like talk to people face-to-face, it's incredible. Um, have those moments where you, you get away and you get out in nature. I used to always think, I didn't understand why people um, people would say, oh, you got to get out in nature. And I thought it was kind of like, you know, weird. But then I started walking around in nature <laughs> and just talking to people face to face. And I noticed a dramatic shift. So you know, if you get away from the, the crisis, you get away from the nonstop charade of distractions uh, that are being perpetuated upon us through our cell phones, through the computer, the TV, it's incredible when you have that time to yourself, what insights on life, what insights into your own trajectory of your, your life you'll probably get. Yeah, that's very true. I had a, a cable guy come to a friend's house um, yesterday and he said, oh, look, you know, we can put Facebook on your TV. And my friend, you know, very much like how I am, she said, oh, no, I don't want that much energy on that big screen in my living room. I like it contained on my phone and then I can turn my phone over and walk away from it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm sure the Facebook's not, not going to be spying on you through your TV. So like, weird thing in our culture, there's like a loss of privacy. People, I think they, it's weird that they're, they're cheering the loss of their privacy. They, they don't care. Yeah. So if you're curious about life and you you really are, I mean, it, it's going to be a strange time. I feel com- when I talk to you, Chris, and I feel like I'm talking to one of the few normal people on the planet, like, cause you're aware about what's going on. And I talk to everyone else, like, oh, what's going on with you? I'm like, there's a new show on iTunes. I'm like, whoa, that's great. What about the loss of our civil liberties? How about exploring, you know, other forms of consciousness? I'm like, but the iTunes TV shows. I'm like, ah. Oh. So I know. I I just spoke with a woman who, wonderful. She came on. She grew up in a cult with ritualistic abuse. She escaped when she was 20. And she and I had a great after conversation about how awake she is because, you know, she's close to my age now. She's in her 40s and she's done all this therapy in order to survive what happened to her as a kid. And so she's very aware of herself. She's very aware of other people. She's hyper vigilant about other people. And she said, but nobody really wants to invite me over, you know, to like have a summer barbecue. And I said to her, do you really want to go to those barbecues? <laughs> I can't take it. If Ryan, if you were at a barbecue, uh, John Huber, uh, Mel- Melanie Van, Joe Fusaro, Steve, if some, you know, people from our network, that would be a great barbecue for me. But otherwise, no. <laughs> but I don't even know if I could do a barbecue. I'm vegan. I, I just saw Dr. Huber a couple of days well, you ago. You could do a barbecue and do vegan. All right. Well, I have to be vegan burger. So I go to the... Um, and then we're in, the, we're in the Mexican restaurant after the show. We sit down and we go, do you have any vegan options? The lady looked at me. She's like, <laughs> you're laughing. a Texas dude. Texas. No, everything, when you bring it to you, is mooing on the plate. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're not there yet. 
I, I think I missed my mark. I was supposed to come on planet Earth to evolve, and I think I missed it by 100 years. I'm like, maybe 100 <laughs> years. I hear 100 years too early. I, well, I think about that too, and then sometimes I think – I am so far behind other people and that is what they notice. Like in a day I can have, you know, one extreme than the other. And then I'm like, just stop, turn it off, go be with the horse, be with your dogs, <laughs> go take a walk, stop thinking, get out of your head. So the animals, they, they have it made. They really know exactly what's going on. Look at our dogs. They're, they're happy. They're playful. They just, yep. they, they just want to eat and play. I'm like, that is, I, I, that is the height of evolution. Like we are on the lower end. They, they're, <laughs> they've got it and they've got us taking care of them. That's so, right. <laughs> yeah, it's very like, true. I think that there's a higher evolved species. Oh, well, tell our listeners and we'll, we'll keep talking. Well, actually, first, before you tell our listeners anything, sure. thank you for everything that you do for us. Just all the stuff that you do for us. It's I'm so appreciated. So there's that. And You're it's 440. It's 444. Right 444 right now, Ryan. Breathe. <sighs> and tell our listeners where they can find your show and where they can find your company. Sure. I can. Your listeners, your wonderful listeners can find our show outer limits of the truth by going to the website at outerlimitsradio.com. They can also learn more about PR firm, Goldman McCormick PR, and that is goldmanmccormick.com, G O L D M A N M C C O R M I C K.com. And, uh, Kristen, I, I, I am honored to know you, and I really respect the work that you do and the respect that your hosts do. So the fact that I do PR and the fact that I get to work with people like you is one of the, it's one of the great joys. And I, I say to your listeners that if you follow your passions, if you follow what's really in your heart, you could be doing amazing things, and you could be having fun and also working at the same time. And I feel like that's like the perfect place to be yeah. is to come to work and to know that you're going to have the time of your life and have your work be like a vacation. And it's exactly where things are right now. Absolutely. Fantastic. Ditto. I agree on all fronts, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and listeners, you heard his voice as he's, when he goes into radio mode. It's so good. Oh my gosh. I practiced that doing the Ryan voice. Thank you. And uh, anytime you you want to fall asleep, uh, just you listen to the Out of Limits of the Truth. And my wife, I, I can put my wife to sleep very quickly. <laughs> well, that's because she tell your me wife. about your day. I do. This is what happened. <laughs> Boom! Out. <laughs> that's what happens with my ex-husband. I have to go. Are you still listening? Are you with me still? I don't even get mad anymore. You know, it's just okay. Yes, I'm listening. Good. Well, I, we just hope that the representatives from uh, NyQuil aren't listening because if they hear That's my voice, right. like, wait a second, this is a threat to our profit margins. <laughs> Getting this guy off the air. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Ryan, so much. So thank you. And thanks you to our listeners for tuning in to another edition of Mental Health News Radio. Without good intentions, I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. 
Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes.